It's just such a privilege to be able to share with you what I feel God um, has has put on my heart. And I'm I'm really excited and expectant for what God is going to say through me and that it will just really speak to your hearts. and that it will bring real transformation and just so much freedom, what we've been praying about. And I'm just so expectant. Um, but just to begin with, I just, I just felt um, the Lord wants to just love on you before I even get into anything, before I even just get into, into scripture. And I just want us just to just be still. I know it's my bit, you know, I want to get into it. But I just really want us to be still now before him. And just, he just want him to love on you. Um, he wants to know you to know that he sees perfection in you, um, and he sees his son Jesus when he looks at you, and his delight and his favour is so on you, and he's not he's so for you and he's not against you. And I just want us to start from that place, um, just receive his love, um, and yeah, I just um, my prayer is, and just yeah, keep your eyes closed. I just my prayer is that today you will hear the Father's cry calling you to be women who really know him, women who find their real identity in him, that from this place it will cause you to fight and contend for the things of God. My prayer is that you answer his call to live this life of contentment and actually it will bring real freedom, that we'll be women who are fearless, passionate and relentless on how we view and approach things in life, which ultimately will bring glory to him. Amen. Amen. Right, I'm just going to put this down a bit because I feel like I can't really see you. Um, yeah. Technical difficulties, obviously. It's not... <laughs> Thank you, that's perfect. Great. Um, actually, can you grab my glasses? Thanks. So I can actually see you guys. I can actually see what's in front of me. Those are, those are yeah. No, that one. Yeah. So unorganized. It's getting into the worship. Right. So... Oh, a bit blurry. <laughs> Can't see even worse. Oh, that's better. Right. <laughs> Great. Um, so, um, when I was praying about this um, and what God wanted to talk to me about, um, I really felt he wanted to speak, to speak about David and Goliath. Um, and I know you're probably thinking, this is a story I know, it's what I learned in Sunday school. Actually, David is a man, and this is a women's event, and, you know, <laughs> but actually, there's so much we can learn from David, so much we can learn from his faith that he had to stand against Goliath. Um, and we can find this, um, David, in, the story of David and Goliath in Samuel chapter 17. I haven't got a PowerPoint, um, and, uh, you know, if, if you want to follow the story, I will be doing it in sections, but if you want to follow the story and you want to read in, you know, when you go home, it's Samuel, 17, Samuel chapter 17. Um, but just to give you an overview, the Israelites and the Philistines, they're, um, they're fighting, and the Philistines are in Israel, and the Israelites felt that it's the promise of God that that was their land, but the Philistines were in that land. And, um, and they were arguing and they were fighting, fighting against this. And the Philistines, to try and resolve this, was like, right, give them an ultimatum. We're going to present them a massive, massive giant. And we're going to say, right, if you, if you fight, if you kill him, then, we, then you can become our slaves and vice versa. And this went on, this whole kind of, they presented Goliath and it went on for 40 days. Um, and meanwhile, there's this little boy in Bethlehem called David, as you know. Um, and he was just a shepherd boy, and he was just looking after his sheep. And one day, his dad, Jesse, said to him, right, just go down to, um, I want you to go down to that part of the land where the war is, where war is currently going on. And I want you to um, go and take, you some, take some bread to your seven other brothers who are currently, they were, they were in the war at that time. 
But while he was, off he, off he potted down and while he was there, he just heard this battle cry that Goliath was just chanting. Um, and what does David do? He's like, I'll do it. You know, these, these Israelites were so fearful and no one stood up to him. But this, this guy who just comes along was just like, I'll do it. I'll defeat him. I want to take him on. And the first thing I want to draw, the first bit I want to draw out of this story is that David knew who God was for him able to do this. He knew who his father was. And that confidence came from that, from that place, his heart knowing who, who God was. Um, and in Hebrews 11 verse 1, it defines faith as confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that's what David had. He had that faith. He had that confidence. He had that assurance knowing who God was that enabled him to, to do that. Do we have hearts of faith like that? Do we have confidence and assurance knowing who God is? Now, I think we can, we can have a great, great knowledge knowing who, um, of, of, of God. But actually, do we really intimately know our Father? Do we have that real depth, that relationship? And sometimes we as Christians, we can feel, you know, live a certain type of life. You know, we can go through some emotions, making us feel like we know God. You know, serving at church or going to a prayer meeting. And almost sometimes Christian life can become a performance, you know. It can become something that we feel we should be doing rather than actually out of a place of wanting to because we know who our Father is and that passion for him overflows into, the, into that place. And actually, sometimes God can even become an add-on, you know. Like, it can be work plus God, you know, relationships plus God, future plans plus God. And, and sometimes we can then even come up a place of, am I even a Christian at all? You start doubting yourself, doubting your faith. But actually, we need to have that faith because we know who the Father is and a real deep relationship with him. And if we take away that plus something, what are we actually left with, you know? And that the, it's our ultimate calling, you know, God's knowing him, knowing who he is, is our ultimate calling. It's what we're made for. It's our purpose in life. We take everything else away, that plus family or whatever. We're left with God. That is our calling. That is who we're meant to be, a relationship with him. That's who he's created us for, to have that relationship. And he, he doesn't want sometimes the other plus things, even though they're important in our life. He wants, and he cares about them. He wants our everything. He wants our heart. Ultimately, he wants your heart. And not just surface level stuff he wants your deep deep heart everything everything he wants you to be as everything he wants you to be as first love yeah he wants you to be him to become first in everything and everything else will follow rather than sometimes the other way around and do you know what when we find and we really know who he is there can be so much freedom and so much contentment and so much faith that just arises in our hearts um, actually really knowing and just a peace and the fun, just real joy, a real deep joy, knowing who he is. And David didn't just suddenly, you know, come at that place of wanting to take on Goliath. He had the relationship with his father. He had that relationship. When he was out in the fields, before it happened, he would sing praises. He would um, pray to God. He would have that real time with him, with, his, with, with Jesus. Um, he would, you know, he'd even worship and he would sing praises. Um, he knew who his father was. And sometimes elements of our earthly relationships can actually be more reflective of actually how our relationship should be with God. Um, and I, as um, Gemma said, my husband's called Luke, um, and I've actually known him since I was a baby. We went to the same antenatal classes together. Um, you know, childhood sweethearts and all that. <laughs> um, 
And we started going out when I was 16, 17. Um, and even though I'd known him from like a baby and I kind of grew up with him, there was a different level of kind of knowing when we started dating, actually getting to know him. Um, you know, I wanted to know what he liked, his dislikes, um, you know, what his interests were. Um, I had to get to know him. And through that, our relationship then grew stronger. And then three years, you know, at that point I was thinking, okay, it's, you know, husband material. And actually three years later, we got married. Um, and getting married was then another level of intimacy and relationship and a depth that I had to get to know him. Um, I was spending my life with him. Everything I had was now his. We were now one. Um, and I started to get, know, to get to even know more even things about him, like, um, you know, that he likes, his, he likes to pair his socks. If I took his socks, he would be really annoyed. He's, he only can get his socks from Marks and Spencers. All this kind of stuff, you know. There was, and I'm getting to know him even more, you know. Four years later on, I'm still getting to know him. And there was an element, actually, in marriage and intimacy where I had to give myself to him. You know, I had to, it wasn't just me about, about me getting to know him. He had to get to know me. Um, and it'd be all well, you know, me just talking and tell, asking him all the questions. But he wanted to get to know me. He wanted to know me as well. He wanted that depth of relationship. And, you know, we were sharing a house suddenly, money. Um, he was even, you know, I was even letting him use my hairdryer. Um, everything, you know. I had, to, I had to lay stuff down and say, you know, we are now one. There was this element of sacrifice. Um, and actually there was um, a time, there's... Because of the intimacy, I had to actually let my guard down. I had to let, let my guard down to him to enable him to, to know me in a different way. When I was going through things or I was feeling things or I was thinking things, and I'm quite an internal processor. I don't know about you, but we all wired differently. But I think things through in my head. And actually, there'd be times when I wouldn't actually reflect that and talk to Luke about it, and he wouldn't know. If I wasn't saying things, he wouldn't know. Um, and there was an element where I had to be really vulnerable and actually let him in not be independent in my own feelings and sometimes that was uncomfortable and yet in marriage that was uncomfortable um but actually in that place when I did open up there was such a depth and there was such a love that comes from that place because I've been vulnerable in in a and that's not being weak that's just being vulnerable showing everything about me and sharing everything about me and you know that's what our relationships need to look like and that's what relationships need to look like with God and I just want to kind of challenge that in, um, in our relationships with one another. Yes, that needs to be reflected in marriage. And for those that you are married, that you need to do that and be, and be so open to your husband. But actually, that's how we need to be with one another as women. And that actually, as we do that, as we become, again, I want to emphasize being vulnerable is not weak because you have strength in God's. But actually, as we do that, we create real unity and that openness. Rather than, you know, sometimes saying, hi, how are you? And yeah, I'm fine. But actually, inside, you've got all these things going on and just craziness. Actually, we need to be vulnerable with one another. And we need to be open with one another. And we need to lay things down. And there might be, again, an element of sacrifice and a bit of thinking, oh, gosh, I don't want to do this. I want to come across like this. And, you know, actually, we need to get rid of that. So we need to be real with one another. There needs, there needs to be this realness. And from that place, that's how love and depth grows. That's how we can build real, proper, real unity. And not just surface-level stuff, but a real depth in our relationships. And I just encourage you that you do that 
in, you know, that you make sure you have someone that you are in, in that safe place and you're accountable with someone to do that. Um, that's why I have that twos and threes and stuff like that. But just, I think in general, let's be real with one another as women. And that actually we create a culture in Rev that we are encouraging and we're standing with one another. It's not just in those times when, you know, you're struggling with stuff, but actually it's in times when we are going for things and we can encourage one another and be an openness and an openness to receive, an openness to receive the things that people are saying about us. And, and it's not out of a place of comparison and judgment. We need to get rid of that lie. We need to, we need to um, stand against that, but actually create a real realness and unity with one another. And obviously, as we do this with one another in our, in our relationships, in our earthly relationships, we need to do this with God. You know, we need to do this in, in the time of being vulnerable with him, letting him know our everything. And I think sometimes... So many times in situations, so like I say, I'm like an internal processor and I'm, I'm thinking about things and I'm processing things. And God has said so clearly and just whispered in my ear, I want to know this, Sarah. I want to know your heart. I want to know how you're feeling. Do we actually tell him or do we just kind of walk through life and think things and, think, and process things and think, oh yeah, God hears? No, we need to actually spend that quality time communicating to him, communicating to him our heart, communicating to him everything that's going on, how we're feeling, our, our frustrations, even with him. We need to build that relationship because, you know, let's say with Luke, if I wasn't doing that with him, he wouldn't get to know me properly. If I wasn't communicating, that there needs to be that with our relationship with God. And it says that in James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's that promise. As we do that, as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. We, he, he'll draw near to us and listen to our heart. He is calling us into intimacy. He is calling us into that place of real intimacy. And it's, I've heard it before, but it's into me I see into me I see and that's completely that's not just other things separate things we need to let him completely in not just when we feel like it not just when we come to crisis not just when we think we need something we go before God no it's everything all part of our lives everything and um, you probably heard this a lot you know spending time with God is you know in, in probably a lot of preachers I know I have but my heart is that you just hear this call that you hear what God is calling you to into this deep relationship in this place and actually how we do that is we spend time and we spend quality time with him I had to spend quality time with Luke you know it wasn't just hi how are you I'm fine thanks my day looked like this bye it was real real conversations hours of conversations that we had to really spend that quality time we put time aside to get to know one another and I think when we put that time aside, that quality time, we're away from distractions, we're away from just the bombard of life, that we go to that secret place. We go to that place of real, just that secret place with God, with our Father. Um, and where our mind stops thinking frantically about things, but actually that we come to that place of being still and knowing that he is God. And when, you know, personally for me, when you go to those places, I don't know about you, but I've been, um, you know, you put time aside and you think, right, I've got, I've got an hour rather than five minutes, you know, I've got this time that I'm going to put aside to God. And yeah, there's an element of sacrifice because you might want to do other things, but actually there's that sacrifice. And when you do that, when you spend that time with God, 
I don't know you, but I've, I've, for the first 10 minutes, I get bombarded with, what am I going to have for dinner tomorrow? Have I forgotten this? You start speaking lies over yourself. And, the, you know, the devil can really use that time of like, oh, but you like this. And sometimes I think, what am I doing? Is this, I'm just sat in my room. Like, I just feel so weird. I'm a, you know, is there even a God? And all this thing just can just hit your head, you know, in, in your thoughts. And, but we need to press in from that. Because the devil doesn't want that for us to have that time and that intimacy. We need to press through. And that is when we come to that secret place. And there's no rush. There's no rush. We don't need to rush in God. We don't need to rush trying to get to that place. Sometimes it is literally about just being still before him. We need to give him that space to talk to us as well. I think sometimes when we go to that place, we've got all these things that we want to carry and want to give to God. And that's great. And that's really important. But we also need to give him that time and that space to speak to us, to take us into that deep, deep place with him. And um, when I've done that, you know, in those times when I've pressed through and, you know, you come away thinking, flip, that was an hour. It just felt like 10 minutes. That's when I felt just underlying peace, coming away feeling content, contentment in him. My heart is changed where I went feeling frantic and anxious and with all this stuff. You come away from that place just feeling in, in, built up in faith, built up in him. That's when he's loved on me when I needed it the most. He knows what you need, so he's going to give it to you. But we need to give him time to do that. You know, it's like someone has a present for you and you're, you know, they want to give it to you and you're constantly running around and you're not giving them the time. You're never going to receive that present because you need that time to, to receive and to embrace that. Um, and I just had this picture of like that as we do that as we go to those places that actually our hearts and wanting to know God there will be a passion about that that it was like um, just a pot of gold and you know when someone goes and looks for gold um, I know it's probably in the cartoons but there is something of them that wants to search for this and wants to get it and wants to grasp it and you take it on that journey but you get that gold and I want that to be our hearts he wants to take you deeper he wants to take you to that place. That is his call. He wants you so much. He wants to love on you. But he can't love on you if you're not giving him that time and, and, that, and that space to really get deep into his relationship with him. And as we do that, we've, my prayer is that we, when we give in time, that we will, our eyes will be lifted to know the greatness and the power of who he is. And that's when we, our eyes just stop looking at our own situations, but we look at him and think, Wow. And that's where that comes from. And that is, wow, getting to know him. And yes, you know, that's you for, to figure out what's best to do. Sometimes I go up to Hampstead Heath or just literally, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you, you need to allow yourself to do that. Because if you don't, then you're not going to have a deep relationship with God. You're not going to have that, that depth. Yes, you have a relationship with God and he loves you, but that depth, that real intimacy, that place of really knowing him and that real faith that you have in him. So that was David, and he, he knew God. He knew who he was. Um, and after this, when he says, right, I'm going to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight Goliath, um, he, then Saul was like, okay, that's great. That was, he was the king at that time. And he's like, right, I'm going to equip you with loads of armor. Come on, David, I'm going to put all my armor on you. I'm going to, you know, here's a shield, here's this, and just plates him with all this, like, metal. Um, and David's just like, I don't want it. I don't want it. Take it away. I just, um, he says in uh, verse 39, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. 
Um, in another version, it says, I have not used them. So he took them off. I don't know about you, but if I was um, in that situation, I would have taken anything I could. I would have got a machine gun, a tank, and a whole army of people behind me, because I, I would just be like, oh, I'm facing this massive giant. I need everything I can, protection. I need to go, you know, anything else I, could, I just would have taken. But David was like, no, I've just got my, my five stones. I've got my sling. And off he went. You know, and you some, I think sometimes you really think, what? Why would he do that? But do you know what? It's because he knew who he was in God. His identity came from God. He had security in who God had made him to be. And when he, um, in, it says in, in before um, this kind of bit in the, in the story, that he actually, he went and when he was in the fields, he actually, um, you know, fighting off the lions and the bears, he would have a sling and he'd have the stones. And that's what he did. That's, he, he would fight these, these beasts, yeah, maybe not as big as Goliath, but he would fight these beasts with his sling and his, and his stones. That's, that's who God made him to be. That's what he did. That's what his skills, that was his abilities. Um, and he didn't need to pretend that he was going to be this mighty warrior, you know, with all this armor and everything going approaching Goliath. He didn't want it. He said, no, take it off. And I think sometimes it's quite easy to walk through life trying to be someone else, trying to, finding our identity in other things, finding our identity in, and, and sometimes even just being even disappointed in who God has made us to be. Um, and actually, sometimes we can try and be perfect um, and trying to be someone that actually we're not um, and not having our identity actually in God and actually being pleased and actually being thinking, no, this is God who has made me to be and this is what, who I am for his purposes. The giftings he's given you, the abilities he's given you, the smile he's given you, the body that he's given you, that is of him. And sometimes we, can't, we can feel disappointed and feel like, why am I like this? Trying to be, and then from that place, we try and be someone else. Try and add the extra things on to enable us to do things. But God is just calling us to know the grace that he has on you. And um, it says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, By the grace of God, you are what you are. You are not who you are because of who you are born into, but by the grace of God. It's the grace of God. He's made you who you are because of the grace he has on you and the love that he has on you. It's not by our own efforts and the striving and coming out of this place of feeling anxious. No, we, we are who we are because of the grace of God. And we need to live in that. We need to live in that freedom of knowing that and fully believing that over us. We just need to grasp this. This is truth. This is what God says about you. Identity needs to be found in him and not anything else. He wants you to be woman who has made you to be, and that is perfect. That's not imperfect, that is perfect. And that is perfect for what you're doing, even in your workplace, your how he's using you and everything. That is it's he sees ultimate perfection on you guys. And over the last year, God has been really working this through me. Um actually probably over the last couple of years, actually living in this place of real freedom to be who I am and who God has made me to be. Um, for most of my life, I've been in living in a place of, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. Physically hating the way I look. Every time I looked in the mirror, I was just like, what? You know, feeling disappointed. 
And actually, even having a husband, you know, doesn't take that away. I couldn't even take his compliments sometimes. As in a place of anxiety, of thinking, I've messed up, then this means this. Or, I've missed opportunities. Oh, you know, I've, I've, I've not taken that opportunity, then it means my whole life. Or, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be who, I, who God has made me to be. And actually feeling real disappointment and discouragement. And I actually felt quite trapped in this, quite trapped in, in who I was. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be free. He wants me to be free in who I am. And when I've fully understood the grace that God has, has for me, then I've been able to walk in that freedom. And a feeling of contentment of like, yeah, this is who I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm like this, this is good, this is, this is who God wants me to be. And actually I've stopped listening to what I think of myself, comparison, thinking what other people might think of me, even though they actually didn't. It's what I was speaking over myself. Listening to the lies of the devil, listening to what the world says. And originally I was thinking, but I don't listen to that. You know, I'm, I'm, you know it's almost something that actually... We can think, oh, I don't live what the world says because you're, you know, you're a Christian. But actually, it's so subtle. This stuff is so subtle that the devil just, just works in us and speaks over us. And actually, he showed me that when you, when I'm thinking low of myself, this is a real revelation, when I was thinking low of myself, because God has made me who I am and has made you who you are, when you start thinking low of yourself, it dishonors him because you're his creation. That is we don't want to do that to God. We don't want to, you know, speak love of ourselves and dishonor him. Actually, we want to speak highly of ourselves, And that's not pride. No, but it's humbling ourselves and thinking, no, this is God. This is who you've made me to be. And that's good. And that's okay. And yes, we might be a bit flabby in places or, you know, have our imperfections and still not like things about ourselves. And we mess up still. That's okay. But he sees you as perfect. And you need to start believing that. We need to start believing that and stepping into that freedom. Um, let's have a bit of a drink. Let's pause. <laughs> so, David. Actually, he then fought from that place of knowing these things and standing on these truths. He then fought. He then fought for the things of God. And that was defeating Goliath. So off he goes with his, you know, his sling and his, his stone and um, he goes towards Goliath and Goliath can just see him coming and, and starts speak, Goliath starts speaking with accusations over him saying you're going to be fed to the birds and the, and the animals and, um, you know, and de- what does David do in that moment? I mean, he didn't just run away. He didn't think, oh, stuff this. I can't do this anymore. See you later. Someone else can do this. He started speaking truth of who he knew God was and what he was going to do to Goliath. Um, It says, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your heads. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistine this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. 
He says this, he then goes towards Goliath even closer, gets his sling, gets his stone, Goliath's dead. And isn't that just amazing, his faith that he had and his assurance and, and actually the outcome of that? And like I said, I think in, when he's facing Goliath, he can think, flip, what, this is massive. This, I'm just this little boy and this massive giant. I mean, he was like three meters tall. And I think, you know, in our, in our life, being a Christian, does that suddenly mean that everything is rosy, that everything is all right, that everything is just suddenly la-di-da? No, actually, life is real. Things happen. Bad things happen. We face things. We face situations. We come up against things. Things get taken, you know, there's so many uncertainties. There's so many giants, you, you know, all giants are different in our lives. And, and things can just be taken away from our feet sometimes. You think you're going one direction, suddenly something happens, you're like, flip. Um, and I just want to be real with you guys because um, this is, a, you know, I've, um, on July, Luke's birthday actually, um, I found out I was pregnant. And um, we had a scan three months later and um, found out that my baby had died. And, you know, there I was thinking that I was going to be a mum in April, thinking that I was, you know, this amazing thing that I felt was of God and that this was the right thing to do that we prayerfully considered. And suddenly, just from this scan, everything was just ripped away from us. And, um, you know, just... And the, and the things and the doubts that suddenly crept in of, you know, is it me? What's going on? You know, why has God done this? What is happening? You know, sometimes we can face these massive giants in our lives. And it's tough. It is hard. It's not easy. It's not easy. But just like David, he had a choice. He had a choice to either stand against Goliath and fight or flee. And when we face these times, we have that choice too. We have that choice of standing on his promises, standing on what God says about us, standing on the promise that he is, he is so for us, he's not against us, standing on the promise that he has a perfect life and, and an amazing plan for our lives. And knowing who he is as our God, and that that should be the ultimate thing in our hearts. And he wants your heart in these times. He doesn't want you to run away from him. He doesn't want you to flee from him. He doesn't want you to escape from these things um, and suddenly think, you know, I'm not going to be a Christian because this is too hard for me. No, he wants us to stand and fight. He wants us to stand on those promises and stand on them, those things, without fear because there's no fear in him because he's holding us. He's holding you in the palm of your hand there's no fear in him. And actually knowing the real truth that God has the ultimate victory. He has the ultimate victory. He has won the battle already. There is actually even no battle in him. He has won. And we should stand on that promise that he has, there is so much sovereignty in him and that he reigns in absolutely everything. Absolutely everything he reigns. And he is in control. And yes, in those times, you're like, God, are you really in control? Why do you just take my baby away from me? What, you know, why can't I meet? Why can't I meet them? You know, all these things that just go around in your heads, but you have to stand on the promise that he's in control. 
I had to stand there and be like, no, I'm not believing that. God is in control. And sometimes that's really hard in those times to really believe and really actually have that real belief. But I think it comes from that place again of knowing who he is, knowing who our identity is in him, and actually just fighting and contending for these things. And we have, it says in Ephesians 6 verse 17, we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That is our weapon. That is the thing that we use. That is the thing that we fight with, is the truth, is, is the Bible, is the, is the truth that we have. Um, but like I said, we need to let and make that choice of letting those truths sink deep in our hearts. We need to be open to him. And, you know, there's something we need to go to that secret place again sometimes. And, and even if we don't feel like it, actually we need to ask the Spirit to help us in these times to give us strength. When we feel so weak, I feel, you know, there's times I was like, I don't even want to read the Bible. I don't even want to open up the Bible. But we have to. We have to do those things because we're contending for the things of God and standing on his promises. But again, it's that choice. It's actually a conscious act. We, we don't want to be reactive in those times. We actually need to be acting in those times. And actually, it's so important when we go through these difficulties or these challenges that we face. Um, just, I think, standing with one another, and I think it goes back again to what I'm saying about real unity. Um, I'm just amazed that just when, you know, going through the last couple of weeks that I have done, um, just the people would just text me Bible verses. And, um, and sometimes your heart gets a bit high and think, that's not what I need right now. <laughs> but again, you know, just the truth that was being spoken over me or even prayed for me, Actually, even when I didn't know it and people, you know, people were saying they're praying and stuff. But I actually had to, you know, read those texts and think, wow, you know, I couldn't even open up the Bible or actually delve in it to myself. But there was people just texting me these, these promises and these truths, which was so precious, so precious. And we need to make sure we're doing that with one another when, you know, your, your friend or whatever's going through something that we speak truth and encouragement over one another. It's so precious. We need to stand and fight with one another. You know, sometimes these times you can be very isolated and you can sometimes feel like, oh, but no one understands. No one's going through what I'm going through right now. No one really knows how I feel. But you can't run away. You can't hide yourself. You have to stand and you have to stand with one another because that brings real strength, that brings real unity and that's how we can then fight and feel like we can propel forward into these things and into these promises. And David overcame. We need to be overcomers. You know? We need to be overcomers. We need to be women who, are, who have courage and overcome things. And we will overcome. I know that in my heart, I'm, you know, that we're going to have a child one day. I know that. I'm going to overcome. And yes, I'm in the season of what the heck. And it's really hard. But, you know, God has overcome and I'm going to overcome. You know? We shouldn't be scared of the future. You know, we should be laughing at what's to come. Not, you know, not hiding away. We need to laugh at what's at the future and what's to come. And in this time, you know, yes, I'm not going to be a mum in April. Yes, I'm not going to meet my child. But I need to be, you know, my prayer is, is like, God, okay, that's not what you want for me right now. That's not what you want for me in April. What is it that you want for me? What is it that's going to bring glory to you? It's not being a mum, okay. That's hard. That hurts. That's what I ideally would love and would want and wanted. But what is it that you want me instead to do, God? What you know? Where do you want me to go? You know, I think sometimes in those really 
these situations that can just feel like it's just been pulled out of your feet and you're expecting to, to these things to happen, that we need to come to that place of like, okay, flip. <laughs> Suddenly things change, don't they? And, the, and the, they change, you know, we just we need to be open to that. We need to be confident in God. And he has such an amazing plan for each and every one of you guys. Every one of us. Something that he sees as perfect. Something that he has ordained. Something that he has orchestrated. And he had that for David. He was anointed um, to be king. Um, and prophesied over to be king way before the whole Goliath stuff. And, um, and he had to go through battles himself. He had to go through war. He had an affair. He sinned against God. But God still made him king. Things happened. God still made him king. God brought that plan to fruition in the end. Years later, yes, but he brought those things to cut. He overcame and those things came to pass. And he's written a story for each and every one of you. He's written that story. And, you know, when we, we feel like we can't do that and we can't do, do, you know, walk in that of what he's made us and what, what's actually happening and in life, he actually doesn't want us to do it in our own strength because ultimately that won't be in glory to him because we would be relying on ourselves we would be relying on our own identity we are relying on things that we have actually because he's written a story for you that is beyond what you can achieve and in fact grace is that it's grace, grace he's given you to enable you to do things beyond yourself and your own ability and that's things, those things that he has for you those things in those times those hard times you feel you can't get through it he's given you his grace to get through that he, you have him, you have that relationship with him you don't need to rely on yourself but you need to rely on him and, that, and actually that brings glory to him more than anything those things that we conquer through that we fight for that brings glory to him we don't just have to run this race on our own, but don't, we have his strength, we have the spirit, we have the truth that we've been talking about. We need to stand with that, we need to fight with that. And at the end, wouldn't it be amazing that he says, well done, you good and faithful servant. Well done, you good and faithful servant. We need sometimes being a relentless believer and being relentless in, in, in believing God is seeing the impossible become possible. Um, it takes persistence it takes endurance it takes women to be relentless Um, but we need to be fearless furious women knowing who God is knowing who we are in God so that we can fight for all that he has got for us and has got for you Amen quite a lot of stuff there <laughs> um, I just I don't know what time it is I don't know how long I've been going on for <laughs> perfect okay I just think we've got a bit of time before lunch just to spend time just in his presence and that thing about time we have that time today um, and I just want us to be still before him and be still before our God, your Father. And um, should we just close our eyes? I'm expecting for God to bring real freedom. And that freedom for you might look different in different ways, but I'm expecting for God to bring release real freedom.
Um, I don't know. Emma, do you want to just maybe play the guitar? I just feel like with the kids, that's fine. But just, just don't. God, I just thank you for who you are. I want to thank you that you're our God, that you're our King. And Lord, I pray that you would become our everything. Lord, I thank you for these women. I thank you for us in this room. I thank you that you have an amazing plan for our life. And Lord, we're at different stages in our life. We're facing different things in our life. But Lord, I pray that we'd, through those times, we'd find our identity in you. Lord, that we have real freedom to be ourselves, to be who you've created us to be. And Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts of real passion and desire to know you more. A desire to run this race, a desire to contend for the things of you. And Lord, I pray that as we um, spend a bit of time in your presence, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us. Straight into the core of our hearts. Lord, that you would take us deeper into you. Lord, I pray against any fear, against any shame, any guilt. Lord, that you would just take that away and remove it, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would replace those lies from the devil, from what we speak over ourselves, to actually your words and your truth into our hearts, Father. Lord, that we wouldn't stand on... on our identity in, in other things, but we'd stand in you. Lord, and even as that sometimes is a bit of a physical movement, actually the CLS is just moving and actually there's a real sense of, of movement and actually stepping into these things. That as we step into these things of you, God, that actually you will bring release us into freedom. Lord, where we feel bound up, where we feel trapped, where we feel just just a whole sense of just enclosing in Lord I just pray would you release freedom over us right now Lord that the chains would be broken that things would be broken in our lives that we have held on for so long but actually they're not your promises they're not your things that you want to speak over us Lord we want to hold on to your truth we want to hold on to the things that you are saying over us and Father, I just pray that actually as we come into that place of freedom, that you will release gifts, that you will release things in our hearts to speak and to stand and to encourage one another. Lord, Holy Spirit, we need you. We can't do this on our own. It's not to do in our own strength. We need your spirit. We need your power. Lord, you are so powerful. And we have that power. We, have, we live in that power, Lord. And I just pray Lord that you would just come in your spirit and work and do a mighty work of transformation Lord that we'd know that we're children of you Lord that we care more about that than what other things might be saying around us or even what our mind is just even doing now Lord I just pray that you would take us to that place take us to that secret place Holy Spirit come and do a mighty work amongst us change our hearts Lord Let's just wait on him. Let's be still before him.